Rom-coms due to relationships are what porn does to sex. So yeah, I just want to forewarn by saying I make a huge generalizations and that um, I don't really address any exceptions to the rules. So I'm sorry and I'm aware of that, but yeah. Um, so porn pretty much plays off male sexual frustration to promote unrealistic notions of sex. That's everything from uh, the guy having to be dominant, ripped and harboring a massive penis to um, <laughs> girls having to be submissive, young, hairless and skinny. Um, Rom-coms, on the other hand, play off femino- female loneliness and romantic frustration to promote unrealistic notions of romantic relationships and love. Um, <clears throat> I think it's interesting to look at the avenues through which society communicates to the genders. For men, it's largely, largely through sex, and for women, it's largely through romantic loneliness. By this I mean we feed expectations to men when they're horny and to women when they're lonely. In that way, the medium perpetuates the message just as much as the content does. Because only men can be horny, of course, and sexual, but only women are sad about their romantic loneliness. Um, So I'm going to focus on rom-coms because I think that the destructive uh, nature of the genre is less explored than um, porn. Uh, I also love rom-coms. Like... I'll happily just say that they're my favourite um, and I wish that my life resembled one. And it's one of, those, one of those things where I'm like, oh, I hate it, but oh, I want it, you know? It's kind of like being like, I hate capitalism, but damn, those shoes are nice, you know? That kind of thing. Um, so uh, obviously my life doesn't resemble a rom-com or I don't know if you know me, but it doesn't. Um, <laughs> but let's just suspend our imaginations for a moment or two and see what it would look like if it were a rom-com. Um, we'll fast forward five or so years into the future. Uh, firstly, I'd lay about 10, weigh about 10 kilos less than I do now. Um, I'd still be white, thank God. Um, I'd be clumsy, but in an endearing, humanizing kind of way. Um, my apartment would be impeccably decorated, not to mention unrealistically large for someone living on the wage of a first year associate. I'd probably have a wise black doorman and a hilarious gay roommate, or to check all the boxes at once, I'd have, a, I'd have a sassy, gay, wise black roommate who has no job or love life of his own and no purpose on earth except to comfort and advise me. <laughs> um, my wardrobe would be full of flattering dress suits, cool cocktail dresses and snug designer jeans that I definitely couldn't afford in real life, unless, of course, I forego eating, which, judging by the size of my waistline at this point, doesn't seem all too unrealistic. <laughs> Um, I'm single to start, obviously, and I'm also unhappy about being single, obviously. Or if I'm not unhappy yet, that's just because my roommate hasn't told me yet that I should be. Um, Perhaps I receive a wedding invitation from an old friend or or from high school or something like that, but I get a wake-up call and I become extremely sad. Why doesn't anybody love me? What's wrong with me? Why am I alone? So on and so forth. Um, And so the montage ensues. It's probably to a Missy Higgins or Kelly Clarkson song. (laughs) I'm staring vaguely out of a raindrop-dotted window or sadly walking down the street alone in a chunky scarf watching couples canoodle on park benches. Or I'm at dinner and I laugh loudly with my friends, but you can tell that I'm faking my happiness. I go to yoga or the gym just to stare at my miserable single self in the mirror. I'd also be getting good good use out of my Lululemon yoga pants whilst reminding myself and the world around me that I'm not 100% dysfunctional because my ass still looks amazing and tight. (laughs) Sad montage over, I'd go back to work. I'd probably read a few self-help books on how to find love or 
watch a rom-com or two and become increasingly cynical about love. But one day, as the weather starts to clear up, um, on my way out of my local cafe, chai latte in hand, I'd bump into a tall, handsome stranger, spilling my chai all over him like the klutz that I am. He probably says to me, don't worry, and he tries to get away as quickly as possible. He's probably a boorish, misogynistic film critic or journalist, probably British, definitely rich. In an attempt to be polite, I innocently start wiping a napkin over his wet shirt, but he's startled and says, don't worry, I'm fine, and rudely walks away. I immediately hate him. I then continue to bump into him at various events, and over over time, I'd gradually melt his cold, hard asshole exterior because men in rom-coms who seem like misogynistic pigs never actually suck. They're just waiting for the right woman to prove to them that women are actually people. <laughs> I'd probably then get a job offer in New York at a big law firm. I have a massive fight with, my, with said man because he thinks I'm throwing away our love or something along those lines. I'd say something mean and he replies with something about how I only got the job because he put in a good word with the boss or how our relationship was bound to fail considering he only asked me out as a joke in the first place. I get offended and storm out. As I reach ground floor of the apartment, I make it onto the street where a cab is conveniently waiting. I receive a text from him which says, it's over. I stare up at the fourth floor and there he is staring at me from the window. I wipe a single tear from underneath my left eyelid and get into the cab. I don't look back. I pack my bags for life in the Big Apple. On the way to the airport, said man realises that he made a mistake and that if he hurries, he can stop me, a woman, from prioritising my job over him. <laughs> Kidding, that's horrible. He realised that if he hurries, he can stop me from leaving because he loves me. Just as I'm about to pass through the gate, he runs up to me, probably with a Yui Boom in hand and my favourite song playing, a poster or two, maybe even a ring, etc., etc. This thing writes itself, but none of it's ever going to happen. Damn. Um, I digress. I dislike rom-coms because regardless of any fluffiness or mindlessness, they're powerful pieces of popular culture. They furnish us with ideas and expectations about some of the most important things in life. Love, work, friendship, sex, gender roles. And some of those ideas are worryingly sexist and regressive. Movies like The Ugly Truth and The Proposal um, up to the ante on the well-worn trope of the highly strung and socially incapable single career woman who is saved only by a humble and well-meaning, attractive and successful man. In The Ugly Truth, Gerard Butler's character literally reduces Catherine Heigl's character, a competent, professional and authoritative adult woman, to the fetal position in the closet of her office, and then she somehow still falls in love with him. The shrew was certainly tamed. More recently, romantic comedies have also given us a great deal of graphic male nudity. This taste of a future in which we objectify men as we have for so long women is not the kind of gender equality I was hoping for. Furthermore, from the neck down, these men all look remarkably similar. White, very lean, extremely muscular, and it would be not unreasonable to wonder what repeated exposure to these kinds of images is doing to women's ideas about the ideal male body and to their expectations of the real men in their lives. No Strings Attached and Friends with Benefits are perhaps the best examples of how rom-coms tap into larger cultural conversations about gender politics. In both of these movies, casual sex doesn't work. People develop feelings, people get hurt, and in both instances, people conclude that the best sex happens within a committed, monogamous, romantic relationship. Sex and love, they decide, are inseparable, and bad things happen when you try to have sex without love. It is no coincidence that these movies came out when they did, and it's certainly no coincidence that they ended in the way that they did. In Love Actually, nearly all of the relationships portray men in power and the women who serve them, 
furthering the aggressive idea that women should be secretaries and receptionists to the powerful men who make the important decisions. These women take care of the men, bringing them nourishment and comfort, furthering the myth that women are nurturing creatures who help protect the people who are smarter and stronger than them. Not one woman in love actually is in a position of power in the workplace or in the relationship. Rom-coms teach us that a woman's life is empty and meaningless without a man, and that any woman who believes she is happy being single is simply lying to herself. They teach us that love is only for straight white people, skinny, beautiful straight white people at that. They teach us that men are sex-crazed, commitment-phobic animals who have to, be have to be manipulated into romantic relationships, and that when a man really loves a woman, he'll demonstrate his feelings with grand gestures that barely skirt the line between love and stalking. <laughs> I love rom-coms. I love to hate them, but I also love to love them. In isolation, most of them are alright. They follow a nice storyline, there's more than one song to sing along to, and everyone's happy at the end. But when you look at the genre as a whole, it's clear that they're destructive. They are generally not intellectual or deep, and suggest that happiness is synonymous with being in a romantic, monogamous relationship. Rom-coms insidiously promote a one-size-fits-all way of being and living, and just like one-size-fits-all one, one size clothing, they usually don't fit. <laughs>